This is CliffCentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and CliffCentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg, and this is the Laws of Life on CliffCentral.com. Alongside me today is Lionel Makokutlela. Welcome, Lions. Dumel and Machia Reabudi to all our podcasters, and today we're speaking Vanda. Yep. Uh, Today uh, we're talking about a story that made headlines uh, last week, and it's a it's a very tragic one. A seven-year-old Brackpan boy took his father's loaded firearm to school and told his teacher that he brought the gun to school to shoot another schoolboy who always bullies him. Whoa, that's quite amazing. Yeah, all I can say is Yarnia. It's uh, horrific that. The question is: Is this really happening in our schools? And uh, someone who understands the pain. Of being bullied. He went through agonizing and painful times as a schoolboy when he himself was bullied and terrorized. He's our very special guest today, and uh, his name is Emmanuel Peterson. Welcome to you, Emmanuel. Thank you very much for having me back. This is my third time on your show. So that's Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Good. Uh, bullying is a topic you're passionate about. I know you talk about it throughout South Africa, and uh, you are currently the South African Bachelor of the Year. You're loved by all who know you. You're really, really cool. You're really a cool guy. Uh, I don't know whether you're cooler than this particular guy. But Yeah, Jack Ferro, you biscuit. Yes, see, this lacquer on my big Afrikaans to where he's on Cliff Central. Yeah, that's my Afrikaans, he's on. Hans Prat Afrikaans. Yeah, I see you not when you're in, in all the other talent. Thank you. One of my ginsling guests is always Emmanuel. And uh, he's a South African bachelor. What's it, a young Carol, oh young, oh Carol, yeah, yeah but oh young Carol. That is not, that is not a dating, dating thing. I feel like they died like more queer. That is uh, later like that was always with charity work and what they in the community doing. So, almost think all that is it was she is a thing geweest where where I twenty friends on the same time gedated. Ongelukkig nie, ek nie daar die perks gehad nie. Ek was my my ali afgewerkt. Okay, Manuel, let's uh, introduce our other guest in studio. Thanks for that. Our other guest is someone who's also one of my favorite attorney guests. His name is Martin Hood, and we all know him. He's Johannesburg's specialist in criminal matters and a specialist in firearm law and insecurity legislation. A very warm welcome to you. 
Afternoon. Thanks very much, Gary. We're going to speak about, we're going to touch on it, Martin. It was, it's all over the uh, media. It's gone absolutely viral. It's a tragedy. This, there was a shooting in Vegas on the weekend and so many innocent souls in the USA in Vegas mm. lost their lives because some lunatic opened fire from a hotel overlooking the strip. And uh, shot, I don't know, and killed, I don't know, how many people? It's like 59 as far as yeah, I can remember 15. from the latest mm. uh, news reports with 500 uh, wounded, I think. Exactly. And I think more are actually going to be, um, the, the, the number is, is it's about to, uh, it's due to increase as a result of this because they actually have re- uh, reported that they need blood. Funny enough, really people yeah. don't donate blood. It's mm-hmm. a really sad thing. You know, this morning, talking about bullying as well, I actually got bullied on, on uh, social media because I made a post about um, how insensitive people are. Um, you know, I mean, it, it took about five minutes for, for uh, people all over the world and in South Africa to start with the Vegas jokes, you know, and I just said, you know, it's insensitive. Mm. There's a time and place for everything. And whoa, did I get it from, from all different sides. Yeah, really? Wow. Yeah. Well. Okay, um, some of the questions today we'll be taking uh, have been posted by members of our collaborative partner, Legal Talk South Africa, with their Facebook following of over 130,000 people. Just a quick shout out to Ray Green, the founder. How's it, Ray? Our Facebook page, The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg. Have a little look at it and give us a like if you don't mind. And lines our Twitter handle. It's at Hertzlaw, H-R-E-T-Z-L-A-W. Emmanuel Peterson, South African Bachelor of the Year, recording artist, theater performer, actor, motivational speaker. You had to leave school at the age of, I don't know what, probably 12 or 14, grade 10. You must have been a little older. Yeah, I was about 15 when I, when I left school. And uh, it's all due to bullying. And one, when one looks at you now, I mean, can you believe that a man so full of confidence, as strong physically and mentally, suffered so much as a bully that you had to actually leave school? Talk to us quickly what, what happened in your life. Well, you, you know, the issue was uh, my parents got divorced when I was very young. Uh, I talk about this uh, quite often in my motivational speaks as well. And because uh, my parents got divorced, I had a single mom, four children. Uh, there was no money, you know. And besides that, I was very, very skinny. You wouldn't believe it uh, looking at me now, but I was very skinny. So obviously that opened me up to be bullied, um, you know, because uh, one of the things your parents don't feed you or you you only have a mom, you don't have a dad. Meantime, I had a dad, very loving dad. He was just in Kauteng. I was in Natal. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it just, you know, it started verbally. And then in high school, it started becoming more physical. And my demeanor just just really was in the, the um, you know, down downward spiral where um I just wanted to lock myself up in my room the whole time. I didn't want to want to talk to anyone, not even my parents. So I just got to a point where I said to my parents, listen, it's time. Either I leave school now and I get homeschooled or I go study through Natal Technicon where I did my matric in any case with distinctions. And um or uh you know I just leave school and I do nothing. So they said, okay fine, we give you a year. Go we're going to take you out of school, but if you do not get your nine, standard nine in the next year, then you're going to have to go back to school. And I did my nine trick in one year, mm. which was amazing. You know, when it comes to bullying, was in your case, was there one bully or a group of them? You know what? It starts. It always starts with one bully. There's one m- main person, 
and then he's got his, his followers. groupies, yeah. Yeah. if you want to call it that. Yeah. Mm. And you know, everyone wants to be the, the cool guy or they don't want to be bullied themselves. So what they do is they follow the bully. So it mm. starts with the one guy and then everyone just kind of gets involved. I mean, no one, no one can and should ever take the law into their own hands and taking a gun to school. Oof. To, to shoot a bully is, is really, is, is something that's an absolute no-no as we, as we know. Um, I think the point here is that the torment must be so severe for the boy that did take the gun to school, uh, that, uh, you know, it, it's, it's very sad what he, what he went through. Very. You know what the major thing is? And, um, you know, I'm probably going to be lambasted for, for this, but I, I do tend to blame the parents on this because, not only do they, you know, want to raise fighters on social media. The latest craze is we we raising a bunch of um, sissies, you know, teach your your children to fight back. Now, what does that say? That opens it up to your children. Okay, cool. I've got to fight back. My dad's got a gun. Let me take the gun to school. Or you know, I'm at school. I'm being bullied. So let me, um, you know, punch back and let let me fight back. We uh, we. Do you draw the line where, where you then become the bully? Mm. And that's, you know, what, what I, when I do my talks at school, schools or, um, you know, after hours I do, um, you know, um, I get a bunch of people together where I teach them skills. And the one fundamental thing I say always is do not teach your kids to fight back. Yes, they have to stand up for themselves, mm. but there's a difference between standing up for what they believe in and fighting back. Because if you fight back the wrong way, you actually become the bully. I like what you've said. Um, you quoted as saying, I feel blessed that I'm able to stand up for what I believe and for the kids who are too f- afraid to speak up. So really, you are becoming the ally of the, the, the bully children, and I'm sure they appreciate you for that. You're talking all over the country. What is the reaction when you phone a school in Gauteng and say, I want to come and talk to your kids about bullying? How do they react to you? Well, here's the thing that, that really irks me, if I can use that word, is – KZN, I've been doing an ongoing um, tour every single year for the past four or five years, and I get op- uh, welcomed with open arms. Mm-hmm. In Gauteng, which is my home province, uh, when I phone a, a school, most of the schools, I would say 90% of the schools, have this response of, oh, we've got an ongoing um, anti-bullying campaign, um, so we don't need you. And the issue is, when I phone a school, I don't phone randomly. I see in the media or someone tags me on social media and says, this is an incident that happened at this specific school or a parent contacted me. So when I contact a school and especially in Gauteng, it's not just because I want to come to the school. It's because someone asked me to come. Mm. And then the response is always, oh, no, but you know what? We've got this. And what I want to say is, no, you don't have it mm-hmm. because kids don't want to listen to parents and uh, to, to parents or teachers anymore. Um, you know, they listen. Listen to them every single day. It's time that someone else intervenes where the children would actually start listening. Yeah, Martin, you want to say something on that? Yeah. I think um, we're listening to a, a success story here from Emmanuel, but uh, I have to tell everybody about the other side of the, the story as well because we need to be aware of the potentially disastrous, tragic effects of bullying. And that is that I had a case uh, some years ago where um, because a firearm was involved, the parent came to me. Uh, his son had been bullied at school, and that uh, manifested itself in the son 
using his father's firearm to commit suicide. Oh, wow. So oh, yeah. that emphasizes the need that uh, to, to take bullying very, very seriously. And all schools have bullying. All schools don't take bullying as seriously as they should do. And I'm just reinforcing what Emmanuel has said. Absolutely. I can speak from some personal experience, having had a child go through our school system. Uh, and there is no doubt in my mind, um, as a result of what I had to do following from this uh, young child's suicide, there's no doubt in my mind that both public and private schools do not devote enough attention to the mm. issue of bullying. It's very easy to say it doesn't happen here. The mm. fact of the matter is it does. It happens mm. in all schools, mm. and it can have potentially disastrous uh, consequences. Sometimes it's not as avert as uh, some of these, these stories we, we're relating today. Sometimes a child has been bullied in a very subtle way, very well, hurtful way. Well, I'd like yeah. to build upon what Emmanuel yeah, said please. about yeah. the instantaneous response on social media. And we don't know... Uh, because we come from a different generation, the extent to which our children are involved in social media, first of all. Mm. And secondly, it's very difficult to to monitor a child's access to social media. It can be any, it can be WhatsApp, it can be Instagram, it can be on the internet, it can be SMSs, it can be on your phone, whatever the case may be, there's multiple ways. Mm. So we must take into account, and I think the schools don't do this, we must take into account the instantaneous nature of, of bullying through social media, through electronic means. Yes. And that is something that it, it just is so difficult to monitor because you take away your child's privacy if you say, I want to monitor what's happening to you, or they delete it, they hide it from you. And these are all factors that require the school to educate children about the consequences of bullying and why it shouldn't happen. And I think that we have a very big gap in our education system right now that clearly manifests itself in, in terms of the long-term violence that we experience in this country. Mm. If I may, Martin, on the question of social media, I know that uh, Facebook, they, they, they state specifically that they do not tolerate bullying or harassment. And if you feel that you are being bullied or harassed in any way, you must please notify Facebook. And they give you, they say that the content that they will not allow are pages that identify and shame anyone. So if you say you're fat, you're too thin, whatever you went through, Emmanuel, as well, you're too thin, look at you, that is shaming someone. That's hurtful. I think They will remove it. The, the, yeah. the, prob the problem is, number yeah. one, it's impossible to monitor because of the size of Facebook. So yes, but if you, if your child, God forbid my child, feels he's been… Well, it relies, yeah. on, and I think this is one of the issues, it, re it relies upon a person complaining and… Mm. Bullying, by definition, takes place because a person is perceived to be to be weak, for want of a better a better word, mm. and that person is not capable of going that far. We've had shows, you and I, for example, where we dealt with the issue of abuse of minors, um, and we heard consistently from some of those women that were abused that they felt that they couldn't do anything about it, and I think that um, children, particularly young children. Are vulnerable, whether it's sexual abuse or physical abuse or social media abuse, and it's so difficult for them to actually break out of that cycle and do and say something. And I want to give a personal example, mm. uh, and I indicated earlier off air that my son was bullied at school, and only now, six years, seven years later, 
can he actually talk about it to us in the sense that he says, you know, I heard from so-and-so the other day, he was part of that gang. He's not in the same school anymore, and one or two have reached out to him. And it's taken him years and years to even acknowledge the fact that he was bullied. It has literally taken me about 25 years wow. to, to start my Resolve Stop Bullying campaign. Mm. It took me that long to actually get over it. And still, I mean, I look like a confident guy, and I am to, to a certain extent. But when I walk into a social setting where, where you know, people treat me unfairly, it, it still, it, it takes me back to, to my school days immediately. So the damage that gets done through bullying and through, um, this type of, type of abuse, because it is a type of abuse. Intimidation. It's, it's intimidation, intimidation. Exactly. I mean, you have no idea what, what damage it really causes. And just to add to what Martin said, Kids have a habit of hiding things. I mean, I did it myself. When I was going through it, especially in primary school, I never told my parents. In fact, my parents had no idea. Sorry, Emmanuel, that's the weakness. Absolutely. Why are parents and children not communicating with one another? That's a major thing. That's the weakness in this whole thing. Because if your kid comes to you as minded and said, Dad, there's a guy that's picking on me, pushes me. I did something about it. But I feel that I'm, I'm fortunate to believe that I have an open relationship with my child at six he came and told me and that's the tragedy here the why didn't you go to your mom what's the answer to that you know what this can go two ways either you're ashamed um and you don't want to disappoint your parents because you would think oh no but your parents think you're weak or it's a question of you think you're strong enough to deal with it yourself now i didn't want to disappoint my parents my mom was going through a lot of stuff um, you know, um, she was, um, raising four kids on her own on a government salary. Mm. Uh, so the fact of the matter is the last thing I wanted to do was put more pressure. Mm. And that's why I kept it quiet, which is wrong because, um, you'll see me always quoting how close my mom and myself are. Yes. And the fact of the matter is that, that, um, sometimes when you're so close, you don't want to hurt the people that you love. I hear mm. you loud and clear. And that's what the problem if is. If you had gone to your mom, when you were 14, 15 and said, mom, I'm being bullied, how would she have handled it knowing well, her the way you do today? I, at the stage where I actually went to her and I said to her, but mom, this is what's happening. Yeah, because how it happened was quite funny. I got home and she had bought me new colored pencils because at school you obviously need colored pencils and stuff. And they were all broken in half. And, you know, my mom shat on me because um, she just bought it. So I said to her, well, mom, you know what? We need to talk because this is what's happening. And it wasn't me. And it wasn't 24 hours. The very next day, my mom was there at the school trying to sort it out. And you know what the school said to her back then? Well, ma'am, what do you want us to do about it? Sure. Uh, the, the kids you're talking about, are um, their parents are part of the, the, um, the parent, whatever you call Governing it. Governing body. Governing body. Um, and that's what we had to deal with. Yeah. Martin, if your child had come to you, and I mean you're a very prominent lawyer in Johannesburg, well-respected Decent human being. If your son had come to you and said, Dad, I'm being bullied, how would you have dealt with it? I would have gone straight to the school. I, and, and in fact, and why didn't he then, Martin? Well, it happened yeah. in very short order um, mm. because I, I approached him about it and said, we've seen certain things and we're not happy about it. Are you being bullied? And he told us, yes, he was bullied. Mm. Um, and by that stage, we've taken the decision to remove him from the school. But and sorry, forgive me for interrupting you. Aren't you sort of giving in to the bullies by removing him in both your cases, why should you be 
moved away, why shouldn't the bully be taken out? Well, I can only speak for myself, yeah. but we focused on my child yeah. and dealing with the consequences of the bullying with my child. And one thing that my son did ask me, he said, Dad, I don't want to go through a process where I have to confront these bullies. I'm not up to it. I'm not prepared for it. It's going to, it's going to hurt me even more. Mm. And that was a consideration. That was a very strong consideration. We also took some professional advice on it, of course, mm. and that was confirmed by. They said take, move him out then. Not only yeah. move him out. And if I might add that that same school, we had two parents phone us private, two teachers phone us privately. And this is mm. the, ex, the really disappointing and annoying uh, result. The teachers knew about the bullying, yet mm. they did not feel that they could do anything about it. And they phoned us privately and said it's the best thing that we could ever have done. It doesn't deal with the fundamental problem that the teachers should know and understand what bullying is and they should be there to assist the child. And I also just want to make a point, uh, Gary, uh, you mentioned your six-year-old child. Parents must understand two things, that, it, that bullying, first of all, starts at a very young age. And a young child is not necessarily equipped to understand the difference between what is right and what is wrong, particularly in a protected environment like the school, where a child could and might think, well, I'm in a school, I'm supposed to be safe and secure, so this behavior takes place, then it's acceptable. Mm -hmm. And that's where the role of the teacher is so critical, where the teacher needs to identify changes in behavior, changes in patterns, and they need to be able to communicate with the child and tell the parent, listen, there, there may be a problem here. And I don't think that our schools and our teachers in particular, doesn't matter what class, what category, what location, they're not equipped to deal with that yet. And they actually don't want to deal with it because they know that the size of the problem is massive. Absolutely. You know more than anyone, Emmanuel, you with in and out of different <laughs> schools. Um, I, I think you've also been quoted as saying that it's the bullying campaigns within schools are not working. It, uh, they're definitely not working. You know, I mean, I, d I don't actually know what most schools are talking about when they say they've got an ongoing uh, anti-bullying campaign because why are they in the media so much for bullying? And I mean, I'm not talking about minor bullying incidents. I'm talking about severe bullying incidents. Um, it's, it's, um, it, it's really getting, becoming a, a major problem. And the one thing that Martin said was there's bullies in all schools and there will always be bullies because that's society. Unfortunately, it's not something you're going to get rid of completely. But the problem is you need to stand up against it. You need to start making a difference. And I believe if one person makes a difference, then more people will, will start making a difference. Um, the fact of the matter is that, you know, last year I started um, my interview bullying or I didn't start it because I've been doing it for a while but I brought it into my essay bachelor campaign mm. so that I could reach more people which I did I'm happy to say this year with the the new finalists um the owner of essay bachelor uh, Jock Momberg actually made it a part of the competition so now they actually standing against no bullying um you know, but, but once again, it's one thing talking about it and it's a completely different thing actually going and doing something about it. So bullying, once identified, must have consequences. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is our society is the sum of its parts. And if we look at our society as a whole, we are dysfunctional. We have very, very high levels of violence, both in the home and in the workplace and elsewhere, we have physical abuse, abuse of firearms, we have abuse of alcohol, drugs, etc., and so it goes on. 
that to some extent can be attributed to what happens in our, our schools and to a great extent what happens in our homes. What happens in our homes is often acted out in our schools. So we cannot simply say that bullying is an issue on its own. It's, mm. it's part of a much bigger social issue mm. that we need to address. Yeah. Lines, you've got a personal experience or you want to talk about? No, I uh, don't actually, but yeah. I just think what they currently are saying is very important because most parents don't necessarily know that their children are actually being bullied and both parties have actually had the experience. And I just want to know what is it that the other parents whose children are being bullied and maybe they, they don't necessarily have the vocal ability to actually talk about it can actually do when you start identifying the signs of your child withdrawing or acting out strangely. Let's talk some law, Martin, because this is, uh, p- people are hanging on to this. Well, I've got a whole series of questions that are going to take us through the law. So, do you want to, did you want to answer Lionel I, I, on its I, own? Yeah. I want to speak generally about yeah. the law and about consequences. Okay, the, the questions that come up from the legal talk people on the law, if you want to talk um, whichever way. But. Well, I, if I can speak generally first, yeah. flowing from what I said about there must be consequences. And the law does provide for consequences because abuse, which includes a def, in the definition of abuse in the Children's Act, bullying is defined as abuse. So that means it's a contravention of the the Children's Act and it comes with potentially criminal consequences as well. So we have we have two aspects to it. You have the what you can do to stop bullying in terms of taking legal action to stop the bullying and then you can have the consequence that may res, that may include for example criminal charges and I I want to tell the listeners first of all what you can do to stop bullying. And there's the protection from harassment legislation which is very widely interpreted Interpreted by our magistrates' courts, and I want to stress it's very widely interpreted. Um, in as much as if you go to a magistrate's court and say, "I need to get a protection order on behalf of my child," and you must remember that the majority of children in in school are under the age of eighteen, so they will be assisted by their parents. Mm-hmm. So the parents would have to do this in conjunction with the child, and likewise, any child that is the subject of a protection order would have to be um, cited. Uh, in conjunction with that particular child's parents and their parents would have to come to court and oppose the protection order or give an explanation as the case may be. So you can go to any magistrate's court that has jurisdiction over uh, where the incident takes place or where you live. The jurisdiction is very widely defined, so you can go to basically any magistrate's court. You can uh, complete a series of forms, including an affidavit, which is a statement of what is happening. And then that protection order gets to a free of charge by the police. So there's no cost involved. It's just simply time. And that's critical here because people think that to get court orders involves money. In this particular instance, it does not. And I want to stress that it's a service that's available um, for no charge from every magistrate's court. That um, uh, court order then gets issued. It can either be an order issued immediately or it's a notice calling upon the other persons to come to court to explain themselves before a court order is issued. And my interpretation of the Protection of Harassment Act in conjunction with the Children's Act is that you can use that process to prevent one child bullying another child. Mm. And by definition, you would have to involve both sets of parents. And I think that you could cite the school. And the reason why, what, what I mean by cite the school is include the school in the process. And the reason why I say that is because I think the school has a legal obligation to protect children. That's part of the consequences of the Children's Act. And if a school fails to stop bullying, then they must also come to court and explain what they are doing to stop this bullying. Mm. So 
You can go and get a protection order. The process is not difficult. I've skimmed through it very, very briefly. You can get a protection order, and that protection order will compel both the parents and the child who is conducting the bullying, if proven on a balance of probabilities, and I must stress that, as well as the school, to stop the bullying. Mm. So there is a remedy available. And it's free of charge. It's free of charge. Yeah. To any parent of any child that's been bullying, this is it. This is what you could use. What are the ramifications of doing this? I mean, what's going to happen ultimately? There could be a war between between parents, or do you think it would be resolved, and how do you think this would play out? Well, I think let's focus on the positives first. The positives Mm -hmm. is it's an acknowledgement that there's a problem. Yes. And it puts the problem in the public domain, so to speak. When I say the public domain, it puts it on the table. If it involves a minor, these proceedings are confidential. That's another point that I think needs to be emphasized. But it puts the issue on the table. It Mm. doesn't go away. It doesn't get swept underneath the table. It has to be dealt with. Mm. Often what will happen is that would lead to discussion. It may even lead to the intervention of professional psychologists or legal advisors um, who then can say, right, there is a problem. Let's find a way to solve it. Mm. So I think the positive is that it it identifies the problem and it makes people address the problem. The negative, the negative is, of course, it could result in, you've used the word a war, it can result in a legal war, which can be extremely, extremely Difficult for the child to deal with because Mm. that child is in that environment every Mm. day. The child is still with the other child that's still in the school and it could, it could aggravate the situation, unfortunately. Um, but I want to stress to everybody who's listening that my view is that you can't, you can't ignore something for fear of the consequences. You have to deal with an issue of such importance like bullying that you, you, you have to take these steps if you're aware of it. Mm. The, the harassment legislation allows you to proceed if you have a reasonable apprehension. So there doesn't have to be concrete, tangible evidence. The magistrate will test the facts in due course mm. because you must bear in mind that this is intended to provide a quick, simple remedy to harassment, intimidation. If the magistrate on the evidence provided feels that there has been bullying, he will put a, a protection order He'll in place. He will put a protection He'll order say, in you place stay away, stay away from this child. If you don't, you will be arrested. That's, well, the, that's the effect of it, really. Yes. Um, I don't know if a child of under 10 has got criminal capacity, which he does. I, I want to jump but, in here yeah, and yeah. ask a question, if yeah, you don't sure. mind. Yeah. Now you get the protection order. And, I mean, the kid's still at school. What is that? Does that mean the bully now needs to be taken out of school because he's not allowed to? Well, it's, I don't think so. I think what I think the protection order could read in any way you like, I, I'm and going, any way that the magistrate feels is fair. I, yes, I, I'm going to give some examples um, that flow out of the domestic violence legislation as well as the harassment legislation. Yeah. You can be as specific as to say that only certain parts of a residence or a dwelling can be entered into. Mm-hmm. That there could be no direct communication between uh, two individuals, which is. Mm. Perhaps a little bit difficult to police, but uh, again, once the protection order is in place, it's the start of a process. So to answer your question, you can simply say that there'll be no contact between the children. If possible, they can be put in separate classes. Mm. So there's many, many other – there the parent would have to provide the information. For Mm. example, if the bullying takes place in a particular subject class, then you can change the the class or you can change – the class that the child is in, or you can ask that there be supervision by a teacher at all times when these 
particular individuals have to have contact with each mm. other. I mean, the variations are virtually infinite. Yes. But there is a there is a solution for a child in that situation. I think, situation. Mark, that the the protection order that we talk about should only be applied for if the school does nothing about this. I think your first port of call is to your teacher, then to the headmaster, and so on. And uh, there's a man called Albert Harper who on Legal Talk said something that I really liked. He said, your first step is to put everything in writing so that you have it all, send it to the teacher, send it to the – well, you can talk to them as well. But what he's saying is let the school investigate it first. I think if you arrive at court without having approached the school, the magistrate may be loath to give you the protection order. He may say, but why haven't you involved the school? As a general principle, I would agree with that, but I'm going to qualify my agreement by simply saying depending on the urgency of the situation and the nature of the conduct in bullying. For example, if a child has said tomorrow – or next week or whatever the case may be, I'm going to come to school with a firearm or a knife or I'm going to get a gang to jump on you after school mm. or whatever. Yeah. If, it's a, if, if it's a direct, serious and reasonable apprehension of violence, then I don't think that um, involving the school uh, at such short notice would be the best step. I think that there would be situations where you could go directly to a court and say, this is what I believe is happening and I need a protection order. So generally speaking, yes, but there will be situations that constitute possible exceptions. There's a woman called Sandra. She posted on uh, Legal Talk South Africa. She says, and I like this one, she says, can the parents of the bullies be taken to a civil court or something like a criminal injury damages claim be awarded against them? Uh, She says, if you touch parents' pockets, they will soon do something. So she wants to know, what can we do against the bullies' parents? Now, I think, Emmanuel, you've said, or, or Martin, both of you said, that the problem with a bully is usually from the prob- usually stems from what's going on at home. According to yeah. studies, most bullies yeah. start bullying at school because either they don't get attention at, at home or they get negative attention or they see the dad hitting the mom or abusing the mom or vice versa because that also happens. Yeah. Um, and, you know... They grow up in this environment where, where this is acceptable. So they go to school and they, they go do that. Or, um, you know, if you, if you turn the situation around, a lot of bullies actually come from homes where there's no money. Um, you know, the parents have so many, um, problems that they're dealing with. And the only way that this child, um, you know, feels important is by, by bullying and abusing other, other children and other people. I, I, I have quickly, uh, thought, thought through about Sandra's question, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to make, I'm going to give an off-the-cuff view, which I think is right, but I may not be. Um, I see no difficulty with a. So first of all, because most children are under the age of 18 at school, you would always have to involve the parents because they are minors. Mm. Um, it may be that a minor child can have legal capacity to understand that their conduct is right or wrong. But the parent is nonetheless still responsible for the conduct of the child. That mm-hmm. means that the, the, the parent must ensure compliance with a court order, an harassment order, or it, it, or it would mean that if there is a problem, the parents must address the, the problem. And if the parents do not address that problem, obviously subject to the normal rules about proving it in the court, then I think that a parent could be held yeah. liable, mm. legally liable, Absolutely. both, That's what both I think criminally too. and yeah. civilly. If you yeah. are in a supermarket, we've had this case before, Lance and I, if you're in the supermarket with your child who's six and he's running amok and he's knocking down 
stuff. Eight he's months. not criminally liable. He's under 10. True. But the parents are negligent in that they're allowing him to knock the, the, the pieces over and cause damage. But there's it's, the answer. It's kind of similar thing here. They may not exactly. be negligent, but they are. Well, I think, yeah. I think, I think also though, you must bear in mind that there's potential criminal consequences here mm. in the event of breach of the harassment order. Because if you fail to comply with the harassment order, there's a criminal sanction. You can be arrested, you're brought to court, and you have to explain yourself. And if you have no reasonable explanation, you can be convicted of an offense in terms of the Harassment Act. So not only is there civil liability, but there's potentially criminal liability as well. Here's a question. Um, what happens if you go to the child, the bully, you as the parent, and you say, leave my child alone, Johnny? So that's, I, I, I have a, a both. A, I mean, we want to do those, Mark. We want to scream at this little I shit. I have a practical and a legal yeah. answer to that. And yeah. the, the, the legal answer comes first, and, and that is quite simply that that child is a minor. Yeah. So you have no right to interfere with that child without the parent being present. That's in law. In law. Yes. Practically speaking, of course, um, it's going to probably make the situation worse because your child and you go from the victim to the aggressor. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm. There's no ways. You cannot, you cannot talk to <laughs> you. No cannot, way. although you are so tempted to. I mean, you see your kids playing in the sandpit, for instance, and one's throwing sand in the other one's face. You've got to walk away and go to the parent. And say, you know, take care of your child. Well, I think there's a difference between, yeah. um, I think that you can say to a child, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. But that wasn't premeditated conduct mm. where you've got a pattern of conduct and you, and you are angry. And I think the importance is the, the emotions that you feel. Mm. If you're angry and you want to deal with the issue, you should never go to the child, particularly if it's conduct over a period of time. You have to deal with the parent. Otherwise, as I say, you're going to prejudice your position and not be the victim anymore. You're going to become the aggressor. Do you know that by looking at the parent, you can often see why the child is <laughs> why the child is the way he is? You're taking the words right out of my mind. I was just thinking, <laughs> thinking that exactly. le- legally, that's a generalization no, that I would have difficulty. <laughs> but I think there's I think there's a, a great there's a great deal of truth in I that. I think uh, if you know. If the situation happens where, where you know you get both parents in a room together to talk about this, it's also a good idea to get a mediator in between because you're probably gonna gonna find one of the, one of the dads is gonna be this rechte breaker, uh, you know the, the dad of the bully is probably this, this big yeah, bouncer was, was bouncer dude, yeah. um, and uh, the only thing that's gonna happen is violence. So get a mediator in between. I, I think that raises actually another very good point, and that is there's no profile of a bully in terms of their size, their mm. appearance, etc. Everyone is a potential bully. But this really yeah. creates a different, uh, brings a di- uh, different dynamics. In the black culture, it takes a village to raise a child. So when a child is really behaving in a very weird way, you would find that the other parents would come you will just slap the living day out of you <laughs> until you come around. It's true what you yeah. say. I've, I've actually seen that happen. And people just, you know, the parents would actually go to the parent that did the slapping and say, thank you thank for doing yes. that. We're in, in white culture, you know, and I don't want to generalize because it's not a race thing, but in white culture, it's, it's very much, um, uh, how dare you talk to my child like this? Mm. Uh, if I can, I've seen this. If I, if I can give a non-cultural, non-racial <laughs> example. <laughs> I think that's a um, good idea. My father was born in the UK. And he, he grew up in the UK And uh, on one occasion He overindulged And the local policeman As he put it <laughs> Took him up an alley And gave him a hiding And then told his father And his father said Well done 
Now, I'm not saying that that was right in any respect because I think <laughs> attitudes have changed. But I think it illustrates in a, a, a less subjective way the point that was being made. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lange, you wanted to say something else? No. no that's, I, when you spoke, Pelissa was nodding. Oh, she yes. Because no, <laughs> she knows. Controllers in studio. She, she knows. She knows exactly. It, it takes a village to raise a child. And there is just no way that you are <laughs> going to misbehave and think then it's, you are just the problem of your family. The whole community will intervene. Your uncles will come into play. Every single person in the community will actually have to intervene. Mark, Mark we have discussed uh, in, on prior shows how you should be kind of document everything. So um, when your kid comes to you and says this happened, note it down, put the date and the time and etc. So that when you go to court, you have the right evidence. Uh, you know, very often we get to court with our client who's fuming that the, the bully's done this and that, but they can't prove it really because they don't have it all documented. So, Gary, on the one hand, I don't want to discourage people by being overly technical from approaching a magistrate to get a protection order. So I want to stress, first of all, that you don't need a lawyer and you don't need to be – you don't need a, a complete, concise history mm-hmm. of what has happened. But it always does help to have fact. And if you can present your fact in a documented, logical, well-presented way, you have a much better chance of getting a magistrate to issue a protection order immediately. So, yes, absolutely you should document everything. You should confirm it with an email to the school. If you talk to the school, if you talk to a parent, follow it up with an email. If you have a telephone call, make a note, a contemporaneous note, as we call it in law. So you can back up your allegations with fact. Very, very important and and a point well made. Yeah, to our Bachelor of the Year, uh, <laughs> you were here just before they announced, and uh, we I'm, said you're going to win it. I'm yeah. I'm still convinced <laughs> it was uh, due to Cliff Central and your show that I actually won this because oh, I, very kind I, of you, I, I don't I'm, think so. I, yeah. I won the public vote as well, which is uh, you know quite substantial. My SMS. Uh, votes were, were like five times the amount of the other guys. So, uh, apparently I didn't see the votes, but, um, so, you know, the only thing I can think of was, was Cliff Central. Of course, we, yeah. we told you. Okay, okay cool. Awesome. It's all thanks we to did. us. Yeah, yeah, it was, would have been a nothing It's Lionel, Lionel's, um, <laughs> campaign that he did on the side. We Thank all know he did. Yeah, I think if you want a great speaker, motivational speaker, and a man, a good guy, and a man who really, really gives from his heart, and cares about kids that are being bullied. It's Emmanuel Peterson. How much longer does your reign last? Fourth uh, of November. The, yeah. But the funny thing is uh, that they've changed the competition now. Yeah. Where uh, there isn't a bachelor and bachelorette of the year anymore. Yeah. It's now this year turned to humanitarian of the year, and there's only one winner. So yeah. if you look at it that way, I'm probably going to be um, South African bachelor for the rest of my life. Well, this may also <laughs> be the end of your bachelor. Life, so um, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, the death of a bachelor. <laughs> Lovely song, isn't it? Fantastic. Oh, it's, funny. it's been that's great really having funny. you once again. Keep up the good work. Thank uh, you, Gary. Yeah, these bullies uh, must be taken to task. We have to do something about it. You know what the bottom line is? Just stand up for what you believe in, uh, but do it the right way. Absolutely. And to Martin Hood, he's always an absolute treat to have in studio. We're going to get you back at the end of the month. 
uh, in a few weeks' time. We're going to talk more about fire, firearms that we didn't deal with uh, that much today. Well, thanks yeah. very much for those kind Many words, thanks. Man. Also to Lionel Makoko-Klele. Thank you, Lionel. Mm-hmm. And to our podcasters. Thank you so very much for downloading our podcast. Yeah, Yabonga Gakulu is my uh, contribution. <laughs> Zulu. Zulu, yeah. Yeah. And to Pelesa, our gorgeous flower. Thank the you very much. The flower girl. Yeah. And then most importantly to our listeners, thank you for listening. Until next time, cheers. This is CliffCentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and CliffCentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law. Like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on clipcentral.com. Presenting the Attorney's Fidelity Fund and the Attorney's Insurance Indemnity Fund on clipcentral.com. Your champions in the legal profession. Sanbonani, I'm Gary Hertzberg, and this is the Laws of Life on CliffCentral.com. Alongside me today, Lionel Makokotlela. Welcome, Lines. Welcome, Gary, and welcome to our podcasters. Cool. Uh, as we know, attorneys are vulnerable to claims by their own clients or third parties in some instances, and uh, these come about because of errors or omissions made by the attorney. And uh, claims are in reality on the increase, not only in South Africa, but also internationally like the United Kingdom. So it doesn't matter whether you're a candidate attorney or you're an associate in a firm or a single practitioner or a director in one of the big, large law firms. Every one of us attorneys or prospective attorneys is always vulnerable. With us in studio today is Joseph Kunene. He's claims executive of the Attorneys Insurance Indemnity Fund. Very warm welcome to you, Joseph. Good afternoon, Gary, and good afternoon to your listeners. Excellent. Let's uh, shoot the breeze and ask you, first of all, what cover is provided by the Attorney Insurance Indemnity Fund to attorneys? Thank you. Gary, the Attorneys Insurance Indemnity Fund provides cover or indemnifies an insured attorney for professional legal liability to pay compensation to any third party, which arises from the provision by that insured attorney of legal services. But the claim must have been made against that attorney in the year in which the cover applies. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Let's take a practical example, if I may, Joseph. If my attorney has failed to carry out my instructions and uh, can we say or maybe has been negligent and as a result I've suffered a loss, who do I approach as a member of the public? I would recommend, Gary, that as a member of the public you approach another lawyer who is going to give you an independent legal advice and uh, will provide you with some expertise. But having said that, the policy provides that it's only the insured attorney who can approach the 
Attorneys Insurance Indemnity Fund to ask for indemnity. Therefore, as a member of the public who has suffered a loss because of the conduct of the attorney, you would then have to lodge a claim against that attorney. You can do that in various ways. Maybe you can send a letter of demand to that attorney or you can approach court and issue a summons against that attorney. The attorney would in turn then approach the attorney's insurance indemnity fund to request cover. Cool. Now, within, we know there's a brother-sister to organizations. The one is the attorney's fidelity fund. The other is the attorney's insurance indemnity fund. Maybe you can just, there's often confusion in the minds of the public. What is the difference between these two? Thank you. Yes, the Attorney's Fidelity Fund is the mother company which kind of owns the Attorney's Insurance Indemnity Fund. I know that uh, the chief executive of the Attorney's Fidelity Fund and the managing director of the Attorney's Fidelity Fund will expand on this question at a later stage. But the difference in plain language is that the Attorney's Fidelity Fund provides cover to the public where an attorney has stolen the trust funds. Mm. So it covers theft. Whereas the attorney's insurance indemnity fund would cover the attorney who has had the misfortune of messing up an instruction of a client where the client has suffered a loss. That's where a client has gone to an attorney for legal services. Maybe you can expound on that. What is the definition of what are legal services? Legal services in terms of the definition in the policy, Gary, would be work that has been reasonably been done or advice given by an attorney in the ordinary course of carrying out the business of an attorney or a legal practice in South Africa, I must stress. So any work that is customarily done by an attorney in taking the interests of his client forward And it is work that is generally reserved to be dealt with by or done by attorneys that would be covered in terms of our policy. Mm -hmm. But we do not cover work which is done by applying laws which apply to jurisdictions outside of South Africa unless the attorney who is giving that advice on law outside, which applies outside of South Africa is admitted to practice as such in that jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. Joseph, maybe you can uh, highlight some of the most important activities that would be excluded from cover. Gary, the policy provides for a whole list of exclusions or activities which would be excluded from cover. I will just highlight a few, Uh, one of which would be what we call trading losses. This is where a claim against the attorney is for the refund of fees that the attorney would have uh, received from the client as a result of the client not being satisfied with the work that the attorney has provided. That is one of them. The other one would be, which is very important and topical at this point, the cybercrime exclusion. The cybercrime exclusion is as a result of the scams or email scams that are taking place currently in the conveyancing uh, 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 field at this point where money is diverted from the account of the of the of the seller uh, 
or one of the parties to the transaction and is paid into the account of the scammers. That is excluded in terms of our policy. We are also excluding, for instance, uh, fines or penalties or punitive or exemplary damages that an attorney has got to, 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 to pay as a result of having been found guilty, for instance, by a law society or a, um, a, a body that has got authority over the attorneys. We are also excluding what we call bridging finance. That is where a conveyance, for instance, on behalf of a client would go to a bridging finance house and obtain a loan in order to, for instance, pay commission to the to the estate agent before the transaction has been finalized. What we do cover there, though, is money that is borrowed or lent to the client by a bridging finance house which would enable the transaction to be effected. For instance, transfer duty payment, payment for the clearance certificate and, and such things. I guess a large <clears throat> percentage, and I, I really am guessing here, of claims that are lodged would be against attorneys who have prescribed claims, uh, road accident claims, or is that not so? That is correct, yes. Is it, the bulk yeah. of our claims would emanate from the prescribed MVA claims. What, so that I understand it, what would the reason be why an attorney would allow a claim to be prescribed? Is it he's just pure negligence or some of these lawyers unfamiliar with the law? Or what, what actually is – or wouldn't you know that? Uh, there are different reasons why that would happen. Uh, the biggest of them all f- probably would be the incorrect use of a diary system mm. or, for instance, the incorrect application of the law itself where the, the the person dealing with the claim does not calculate the period properly correctly, correctly yes. yes so but uh, it is basically more like the, the the file getting lost in the system and not coming out uh, or for instance the documentation not being able to be collected and collated timelessly for a proper and substantive lodgement with the RAF there are so many reasons why that would happen we are trying to get the word out to the public that if your lawyer does uh, cause you a loss that this is available to you um, which is very important um, there may be members of the public that may not know that they do have the right to claim from the attorney and it is backed by the insurance company to an extent, his claim. So it's very important that we get this message out. And that's why we have agreed between ourselves to bring this to the attention of the public. Yeah, excellent. Just the last question. I know, Lyons, you want to ask a question. No, certainly, Gary. Uh, it's just the question is basically, whom do we contact if we need assistance regarding a claim? Well, yes, there are two people at this point that I would recommend be consult- contacted by attorneys in the event that they have got a claim against them. That is myself, I'm Joseph Gunene, and you can get hold of me at 012-622-3917 or you can email me at ctembi.gunene at awif.co.za or my colleague Zelda Olifir who is our claims manager, who can be contacted at 012-622-3932 or on email zelda.olifir at awif.co.za. Many thanks for making your way to our Ravonia studios from, where are you, in Centurion or Pretoria? Centurion. Centurion. We've been talking to Joseph Kunene. He's uh, with the Attorney's Insurance Indemnity Fund. 
You're a claims executive. Before we let you go, is there anything you'd like to add before we say totsins? Thank you very much for the opportunity to spread the message. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lions. To our listeners, many thanks. Pleasure. This is CliffCentral.com.